0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week's episode is sponsored by BarCast Audio. So if you guys have been wondering, what am I going to do with my free time while I'm studying for the bar? You don't want to, you know, hop into a new show on Netflix, because why would you do that? And you probably don't want to start reading a new book. But what you can do is... Is subscribe to Barcast Audio and refresh your bar exam skills.
1: You can go for a walk, you can hop in the car and drive around, maybe even while you're in the shower, you don't like it to be all quiet. I know I don't. You can listen to Barcast Audio and make the best use of your time. Barcast is the number one bar exam study tool that you need to make sure your first time taking the bar exam is your last. So, We have a special code just for listeners of our show. You can save 10% on your next BarCast purchase by using the code LADIES. That's L-A-D-I-E-S at checkout.
0: Well, guys, we have a very special guest coming all the way from L.A. Um, We had a great conversation with her. She shared all about her law school journey, you know, her law career thus far, because it's pretty interesting the way that that came about. So please welcome our guest Mitra. Please welcome our guest Mitra Ahurian. Hey Mitra, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: All right. Hey Haley. Hey Samantha. Excited to be here. Um, I'm an entertainment attorney. I'm based in Los Angeles, been in Los Angeles pretty much my whole life or actually my whole life. Um, and, uh, went to UCLA and Loyola law school and, uh, somehow found my way (laughs) into entertainment in this, um, in this big brave world. So, well,
1: let's go back to the very beginning. How did you know you wanted to become a lawyer and embark on the endeavor of going to law school?
2: Well, this I think is going to be an unsatisfying answer <laughs> for most. But I never really planned on going to law school. Um, it was one of those kind of forceful nudges in life, you know, those things that happen that are outside your control that kind of move you in a direction that you hadn't planned. I had spent my entire childhood um, and even my undergrad at UCLA um, preparing to go to medical school. It was something that I was very passionate about. What I you know, had dreamt of as a little girl. And I was well on that path. Um, up until my last year at UCLA, my dad got very sick and everything sort of turned upside down in that moment. We were very much in survival mode as a family in and out of emergency rooms and hospitals and it was really very consuming and cha- changed our lives forever. Um, And as this was happening, uh, I was supposed to be, you know, studying for the MCATs and getting applications ready and all of that. And it just, I didn't have the bandwidth, to be honest. Um, And so I decided, okay, well, what am I going to do? Because not going to grad school is not an option. I've worked way too hard. And law school was three years. I was like, I can, you know, go to law school for three years, see how that goes. And I can always come back and go to medical school when things have calmed down. And so that was the thinking I studied for the LSAT. I did really well, uh, decided I kind of liked it and said, let's give this a go.
1: So can you talk about what it's like in undergrad to, you know, I'm assuming that you had a major that was geared towards pre-med. Did you, would you say that that major helped you studying for the LSAT and getting ready and going to law school?
2: Uh, It's definitely helped me now. It's really interesting because, you know, you don't see the ways in which whatever you've been doing in life somehow sets you up for what you're meant to be doing. Uh, My major was psychobiology, which is, you know, it was pre-med. I had all the pre-med courses um, and we it was the study of psychology, but on the biological level. So, of course, there was a lot of biology and neurology. Um, and so that analytical mind was always there, kind of that scientific, logical um, mind that knew how to solve problems, and also lived in a world where things, you know, sort of made sense and had a certain order. Um, and we kind of have that in law, right? So we have it doesn't always make sense, it's not always just, but we have certain orders, and you know, and, and cases and laws and things to sort of look at. Um, and so studying for the LSAT for me was really interesting because I really enjoyed it, which people think I'm crazy because people hate the LSAT, but I really loved it. Um, because I was using my scientific mind very much up until that point and not really the part of my brain that I used as a kid, which was the part that was more creative than it was, you know, I was reading like a book a night. Um, and that sort of, this other analytical part of my brain that loved to like read and express and think in these other ways that are not just purely scientific was really enjoyable for me. And that's, and really the science degree has helped me tremendously um, in the work I do now, just the way of that, the way of thinking.
0: So after you take the LSAT and you decide to apply to schools, how many schools did you apply to or were you like, I'm going to stay in the LA area or how did that go?
2: Yeah. So basically the whole point uh, of law school really was um, three years in LA where I could still be with my family. Um, At that point, I was helping care for my dad. There were a lot of realities that just I needed to be in LA. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I didn't go off to medical school because there was no guarantee that I was going to match in in Los Angeles and let alone, you know, the many year commitment that that would require that would potentially take me away. So um i really i really wanted to stay in los angeles um i for for a number of reasons didn't want to be at ucla anymore um i had you know already experienced that school and it was lovely and beautiful and i had a great education but i was sort of ready to move on from it um And so it was kind of USC or Loyola. I got waitlisted to USC um, and was very disappointed that I didn't get in. I think I was number two on the waitlist. And I had a letter from the former dean. She was the dean for 20 years. I mean, I had all the things and they just didn't let more people in. And so I went to Loyola um, and luckily I had, you know, a scholarship. Oh, I had, sorry, I had applied to Pepperdine too, which is local. Not a lot of people in the you know the rest of the world necessarily know about it um but it's a beautiful campus in malibu and it's a great school and i had a full ride which in retrospect retrospect if you get a full ride anywhere take it because it takes a while to pay for law school and it would have been really great not to come out with a quarter million (laughs) in debt so but i but i chose loyola because of the history of you know the the tremendous lawyers that have graduated from there. And so, you know, and it's known throughout the country and Pepperdine kind of wasn't. So if I wasn't going to go to USC, it was Loyola.
1: So let's talk about law school at Loyola. So what were some of your biggest struggles and biggest accomplishments while you're in law school?
2: Law school was really tough for me. And it was tough for me to accept that because I had always excelled. In school, I was dean's list at UCLA. I had always been the straight A student, all the AP classes, like went into UCLA with like a 4.3. You know, it was, it was a very big part of my identity. But the reality was what was going on in my personal life, there was no way that wasn't going to impact what I was doing in any other part of my life. So in essence, those three years that I was in law school, my dad was dying. and. I was caretaking, and it was very hard to learn a new language, so to speak, um, which is what you do when you are in law school. You really learn to speak a different language and study in a different way. And I did all of that, but I didn't do as well as I had wanted to do. Which you know, I, I always beat myself up for because you know people who do really well are very fixated on the A and the top of the class and and all of that. So, um, but. I did what I needed to do with my family. I helped care for my dad. I got some really sweet and special moments with him. And he got to see me graduate before he passed passed away. Um, and that was huge. And so even if you know those three years did not go as planned, I think that there was still a sweet outcome at the end of that. But in terms of law school itself, I don't know anyone who truly enjoyed it. I was excited to go. I loved learning. I thought I would enjoy it, but it just... Sorry to disappoint. It's, you know, there's fun parts of it, but there's really some grueling parts too. Oh, you stole the word out of my mouth grueling. Also,
1: I love that you said it's like learning a new language. We preach that here. That's the best way to explain it to people who are trying to go to law school, coming into law in general. Uh, you're you're going to learn a new language. And with that comes some heartache and some hard stretches. So, what would you say is your top tip for the uh, current law student?
2: I would say think and plan ahead, but also be flexible. When you are in law school, you are very, very fixated on two things—one or three, I should say. The first is doing well in school, right? So everyone wants to be in that top ten percent. That's one fixation, and that's that alone is enough to fix, you know, to really fixate on because that's a big. Focus in a big task. The second thing is, you know, getting the big firm job. There's a lot of emphasis around that's the only thing that's going to set you up, that's going to set your career, that's the the holy grail. And the truth is, it's not for everyone. And I have so many friends that burned out and decided they never even want to do that, but worked their butt off when they were in law school so that they can get that holy grail. And it paid off in some ways, but there's also people who quit law after that and decide I never want to do this again, and I don't think that's the right answer either. Um, and then the third is you know passing the bar. So I think with the first and third, um, there ha- you know that that's definitely should be a big part of your focus. But with the second, the career stuff, I would just say talk to different people who have taken different career paths, listen to podcasts like this, and try to see. All the different ways that you could show up as a lawyer in the world. And it's one of the careers, I think, where you have so many opportunities, not in the sense of like this traditional type of job, but so many opportunities to make it your own with the practice area that you choose, with the type of place you choose to work in. Is it a small firm? Is it a big firm? Is it in house? Um, You know, do you want to just, you know, be an executive at a company or a studio? Um, there's a lot of things. And, and even if you decide not to practice law, you are going to use it every day. And I guarantee you, you're going to get front- calls from all your friends and family when they get tickets, and when, when things injustices happen. Um, so it'll be very helpful to your friends and family too, although definitely don't go to law school for that reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the career, right? Because you just mentioned the second point and um the big law job a lot of times is what they're pushing in law schools. So was that the case for you? Or did you like, what was your first job out of law school? We'll be right back. Hey, guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers. Audible.
1: Yes. Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies,
0: and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McBadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday, and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go.
1: And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management.
0: What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing.
1: So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
2: You know, it was interesting. So I did do, um, I think, under a year at a big firm. But my dad had just passed away. So it was really get the best job you can, work as many hours as you can, and figure the career path out sort of later. And I was so one day at a time. I mean, I was, I don't know if I'm the right person to give advice on this, but I was in the bathroom crying and trying. Maybe other people were in the bathroom crying for different reasons, but I was mourning. So that first year I was mourning. And I think that it, it helped to actually be in a place where I could just work Six, six days a week and 12-hour days and all of that. So I started there. I thought I was going to do patent law. That was initially the plan because I figured, oh, well, if I'm not going back to medical school right now, which sort of w- was not on my radar coming up out of graduating law school and just surviving that and my dad passing away, I said, okay, well, I love science and I have this degree and you can't sit for the patent bar unless you have a BS, which I do. And I really wanted to find a way to marry the two. And so patent bar made the most sense. And sort of this, it was an idea in my head. I had planned for it. I had planned when I was going to sit for the patent bar. I was working on pharmaceutical patent cases. And then I got moved uh, to another case and it happened to be an entertainment case. And throughout the course of that, um, we had, you know, it's first year, so you're doing stuff that nobody wants to do. Like you know, document review <laughs> like memos and all of that. So we had pulled the hard drives um, uh, from the heads of a, a studio, a big entertainment company that was buying another big entertainment company. And we were looking at the emails and documents from all of the executives. Uh, the Department of Justice was doing an inquiry into pricing practices as they do before any merger. So I was in this totally other area of law. And then through that, Um, I discovered that the um, one of the presidents of the studio that we were representing um, taught classes at UCLA in entertainment law and the entertainment business. And I looked into it and it was kind of interesting. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And he was no longer teaching there, but I found out because the, you know, stuff that was really late, you're not supposed to be using information that you get throughout discovery for anything personal, but I found inspiration in it, and there wasn't anything unethical there. But I was like, cool, UCLA has this program, and I just, I love learning, and I was working on this case, so I was like, wow, it would be kind of cool to just take this, this program and take some classes, and I wasn't planning on doing the whole program. I was like, I'll just take a class at night, and I did that, and it was also good because I was trying to fill, really fill as many hours of the day as I could, so that I wouldn't think about, you know, the fact that I'd lost my dad. And I did a class and loved it. I did another class, I found it really interesting. I did a third class um, that was filmed finance. And that class blew me away. Because growing up in LA, I'm from LA, growing up in LA, there is sort of the quote, unquote, entertainment industry, there are the you know, on every corner, you're always meeting an actor, but it's not an actor, you know, you're always meeting a producer, but they've never done anything you've heard of. So it's like, you don't, you don't have this. And also coming from both my parents were doctors coming from sort of this academic, uh, mindset and perspective. And also my background, it was fluff to me. Entertainment was always kind of this fluff of like, okay, but what are you really doing? And, um, and still, kind of, some of my actor friends. I'm like, why do you have so much time off, and you make more money than me? I don't get it, but okay. Um, <laughs> but but I took this class, and the class um, really blew me away because it was so. It, it talked about the business models for making films, and it was the first time I actually saw the intelligence and the, you know, and and all the aspects of entertainment that most people don't see. Um, of how hard it is to put together, like you put together a business plan and a PPM and like the whole finance model. And this is how it gets distributed, just all the ins and outs. But on top of that, my professor who ended up mentoring me later and was very instrumental in my career was the first person I ever met as a lawyer who I could relate to. And I could see myself doing you know, what she did. I was like, oh, here's a lawyer I can relate to. She's not in like a dark gray suit. And, you know, and wearing an ill fitted, you know, blouse or whatever it is, you know, it was kind of, or she's not a man or she's not this, or she's not that. And she talks like a normal human being and it makes sense. And she's brilliant and she's cute and all that. So it was just, you, you, for me, it was the moment where I met somebody that I was like, oh, and you have to remember, I never wanted to be a lawyer. So it wasn't like I grew up watching, you know, lawyer shows and was like, oh my God, I really want to be like so-and-so. It was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to find my place in it. Um, And you know, I sort of like this, but I don't know what that's going to look like. And then I met my professor and it happened that I loved what she was teaching. And so I was very lucky that she took me under her wing and she was so instrumental in really the decisions I made that led me to where I am now.
1: Let's talk about what you do now. So you leave the big law firm what in less uh, after a year you said
2: mm-hmm. and I ended up and I remember it was just a what am I doing moment it was it was just a moment where I was like I this is not the life I planned this is not the environment I planned on being in this is not the way I wanted to show up I mean what for me style was always really important um as a, as a form of self-expression I felt very stifled. Um, I didn't have time to work out. I didn't have time to take care of myself. Um, I was driving, you know, almost two hours a day, uh, about 45 minutes to get to downtown. But I would, in order to get there in 45, I'd have to try to get there before normal people get to work. And then I would wait to leave later <laughs> to try to skip traffic. i was just like, that was, that was it. That was my life. And, and then just all of a sudden, it was like, why? what is this? You know, okay, fine. I'm making great money, but what happens in five years? It was just like, this is not, I've worked very way too hard in my life to be living some a life that just wasn't me. And so, yeah. And so I, I actually ended up um, leaving and going to work for my mentor or with my mentor. And in that year, I also sent out one application to an in-house position at a book and audiobook publishing company that was the very first audiobook publishing company that existed decades ago. And I thought that was really cool. and I loved and I loved books. And they wanted to start a film division. And so I sent out this resume at like twelve you know like midnight one night and didn't send anything out anywhere else. It wasn't like I was like actively looking. again, I'm still in a place where I don't really know what I'm doing. And the next morning I get a call right away and they're like, come in. Like, okay, that happened fast. Cause law firms don't move that fast. <laughs> they go, make you go through a process. Um, and then I go in there and they were amazing. And, um, they wanted to hire me right away and they couldn't pay me what I wanted. So what I negotiated and they still paid me well, but it wasn't, you know, what I was used to before, but I was able to negotiate for them to allow me to continue what I was doing before in the film finance space with my mentor. And I had also started to build my own client base. And for whatever reason, they wanted me enough to allow me to do both. And they got me a malpractice insurance policy that covered me for all my, my firm and the work I was doing for them um, set me up in an office in Beverly Hills and with an assistant got me a bunch of, you know, I ended up getting, we end up doing a lot more than we had planned to do. So I ended up getting like some law clerks and and stuff like that. And all of a sudden I'm like their only attorney in this amazing company. And I'm doing deal- deals for like Larry King and Bill Maher and Gene Simmons and Robert Evans. And all these people are like coming in and out and I'm doing their deals. And it was really cool because I don't know if you guys have ever been in an environment or a work environment where somebody gives you has so much confidence in you and gives you so much autonomy that you're really given the opportunity to shine with the things that you're good at. And I'm so grateful for who my boss was. Then Um, he's since passed away uh, because he just treated me like I knew what I was doing. And therefore I figured out and knew what I was doing. I taught myself how to litigate there. Um, I won my very first motion. I mean, I'm not, I'd never litigated. I'm not at a firm, but the company was owned by Dwight Opperman who founded Westlaw. And yeah, so I called up his assistant, I think it was Pat or Pam um, in Minnesota. And I said, Pam, I need this book, this book, this book, this book, this book. And, (laughs) and basically got, and you know how expensive the Westlaw books were, but it wasn't just I didn't want the subscriptions. I wanted like the actual hard physical books that were like the treatises and the, a lot of the the all of that. So I studied and taught myself how to litigate, and that actually ended up saving me because that company ended up um, the president passed away, as I mentioned, and the company was now about to fold, and they were going to sell all of the assets. So two things saved me. Um, One, that you can't sell your intellectual property assets or a company if you have lawsuits pending. And we had lawsuits pending. And I had taken those lawsuits away from outside counsel because I had decided that I wanted to teach myself and that I can handle them. Um, And so they needed me when the company was folding. And I was also the only one that really knew how to do all of, like, just knew the publishing deals in and out, and knew what the what the ip assets were and all of that but really it's the lawsuits that saved me so when they were letting everyone go and they let me go too so because the company's shutting down but what happened was i said well you guys still need me we've got these lawsuits you can't sell your assets with, while these are still happening you know and i have this kind of semi-firm that i kept going while i was there and i said i'll just bill you hourly i'll be your outside counsel And initially they wanted to go to Opperman's big firm, right? Because he's a billionaire. He's got a big firm that he works with. And then they, you know, soon realized, at first they said no. And then about a week later, I got a call and they just realized that I knew everything, you know, for another firm to kind of catch up and jump into what were three high profile lawsuits. It was Siegfried and Roy's bodyguards and Nicole Smith's sister, uh, another one was Congressman Kucinich. Those were the three high profile ones I was working on. Like back then, because I was the only lawyer and because I had taught myself, I was like quoted in Forbes or it was just weird stuff was happening um, a year, a year out of school, a year and a half out of school. So in any case, the fact that I had negotiated um, for still keeping my firm, so to speak, while I was in house. And the fact that I had taught myself how to litigate and told them to fire their outside counsel while I was there and save money because I can do this, those two things really propelled me in a direction that I didn't even know where I wanted to go. Um, so I went into another firm and brought in billionaire Westlaw founder Dwight Opperman as a client and went in at a level that I would not have gone into at this firm which didn't work out. That's another story for another time. But I had to start over after that experience. Let's just say that. But you know, but it set me up. And it's and I think that the lesson really is, you don't need to do things the way everyone tells you to do them. Negotiate your employment terms. Um, Sometimes it's no, sometimes it's yes. But both of that and the firm that I was at after I negotiated the terms of my employment. Um, Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. I wanted to keep this firm, you know, the firm I had started, it was a baby firm. I probably only had like 10 clients, but I didn't want to let it go. It was something I loved and I really wanted to stay in the film space. Um, And then take initiative, you know, again, if I didn't, if I hadn't taken over those lawsuits, I would have probably just been, you know, a, a regular young lawyer sending out applications and trying to get a job after the the company I was working for shut down. But instead, I was an attorney who had other clients and that I could go into a firm with and Dwight Opperman and three high-profile lawsuits. And that set me up.
1: I mean, I feel like it's hard to plan all of that, you know? I'm sure you're like thinking like, yeah, I I wish I could say I lined the stars up just perfectly to be able to hit that hole in one. But it, it just feels like you say yes, you are open to ideas and learning, and you weren't scared of a challenge, that's for sure. So with all those characteristics, you put yourself in a good position to advance. And I think that that's a good tip for any person out there who is feeling kind of lost and just trying to figure out I I know I feel like that sometimes just trying to figure out where you fit in the legal space so with that being said what what do you say to women in the law Uh, we are about to graduate and take the bar and this time next year we'll be practicing attorneys so you know what do you say to people like us and you know other women lawyers
2: Okay. I'm going to tell you what a family friend told me. She was the ninth circuit judge. She was one of the first women. Um, and she was the Dean of USC law school for 20 years. So she was, I was trying to talk to as many people as I could before I started law school, because I had no idea what I was getting into because I had didn't do the poli sci major. And I didn't. you know, it's was just like, I don't know what it, what this even is right now. And she said, so, you know, in her day and age, she was like the only woman at this big law firm. And she was obviously very smart. She's like, they would always think I was the receptionist, you know, like all of that. And she told me, do not be afraid to be a woman. The profession needs women. It needs all of the things that we bring as women that are our inherent nature. Um, You know, certain softness, um, different ways of resolving problems that isn't, you know, necessarily aggressive, um, that perhaps uses more intellect, uses compassion and empathy. You know, there is a lot of ways to show up as a woman in the legal profession. And I think that the mistake that a lot of women make and it's, you know, not not to fault anyone because it's sort of we're almost conditioned for it is to try to be like the men in our industry. And we're not the same. And we don't need to do things the way men do them. And there's nothing wrong with the way men do things. It's just that we're not that. So if, and I'm not saying that there aren't similarities, of course, you know, there are, but there are certain special things that we bring in as women, the same way there's certain special things that men bring to any situation, right? So I think that, for me, when I heard that, that was huge because one of the examples she gave was that they were having this meeting. They were in the boardroom at the firm and one of the clients were coming in and she was, she did what she would normally do as who she is. And as a woman was like, Hey, like, do you want, do you want me to get you some water or get you some tea or whatever? You know, that's who she shows up as in the world. Something if I went, somebody came to my house. That's what I would do. And, you know, the men were like, no, 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 like have the, you know, have the reception to this. She's like, no, I'm like, I, I enjoy doing that. And I'm going to go get, you know, the water, the tea or the cookies or whatever it was. And, and she wasn't afraid to be, you know, sort of categorized as a woman. She wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm just going to have this person who's like beneath me, go do this. And she was herself and she brought that to it. And that's great. And, you know, perhaps for us to do that now is maybe not such a big deal, but I still feel like there's a lot of women who wouldn't. Um, But that's, you know, that's her. That's not for everyone. But there's, you know, there are different ways that we show up as who we are. Um, And I think that being very conscious of that in a profession that really wants to put you in a mold is a really important thing to do is to really reflect on who you want to show up as, and make sure that's true to you. I love that. I mean, at the end of the day, we just have to support
0: each other and show up and eventually the whole legal, you know, world I think will be a better place with more women in it. That's what we keep on saying. And firms are hiring way more women now more than ever. And women are going to
1: law school more than ever now, too. So yeah. it's it's on the rise. It's steadily on the rise. And you know, that's one of the reasons we want to ask you that question, just because we Stand on the shoulders of the women that came before us. And just like the woman, the Ninth Circuit judge that you sat down with, giving you that piece of advice, it's it's a good one. Because I think sometimes we, as women, I know I have been guilty of this. You get nervous. Like, oh, am I going to sound too nice? Or am I going to sound too, uh you know, oh, I hope they like me or just things like that. And it, it's just certain things that guys don't ever think about. And, and, you know, sometimes you can use those to your strength and sometimes they can be a weakness too, but just being cognizant of that and recognizing that it's, it's okay to be a woman, you know, especially in this profession, it's needed, like you said. So thank you so much for all the great advice. We enjoyed talking with you so
2: much. Thank you. Yeah. This was fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, Mitra, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to chat or you know network with you further, uh, anything like that.
2: Yeah. So probably the easiest place right now is just Instagram. My handle's Mitra Esq. M i t r a e s q. It's also my Twitter handle. Probably my TikTok from when I tried that for five minutes. Um, <laughs> but, but I would say Instagram is the best place. And then if you go there, my link tree will have my bio, all my contact information, all of that.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys.
0: You know, I can totally relate to Mitra, um, with dealing with hard things when you're going in law school. And I'm sure everyone can, uh, relate in some way because as we say, you know, life doesn't stop when you go to law school, things still life still happens, you know, people pass away, um, people get divorced, all kinds of things happen. So it was very refreshing to just get a perspective that, you know, we usually don't talk about grief and that kind of stuff on here, but it's always nice to bring it to light. Yeah. And I think
1: it's really interesting to just see how, you know, we always talk about people's law school journeys and that's just part of our interview process. In It's interesting, like you said, life doesn't stop. And to hear how people explored law school, handled law school, and what went into play while they were there... You know, Mitra is, like you said, no different than many of us who have experienced things. And, you know, hers was just on a whole nother level of losing your dad. And I think that she, everything happens for a reason, right? You know, she talks about almost becoming a doctor, but then realizing that she needed to stay close to home. And I think that that really validated that for me. And, you know, I think she saw that at the end of this journey, that it was all really meant to be. So it was just so great to talk to her. She's so outgoing and beautiful. And, you know, if you're looking to do the type of law she does, I highly recommend reaching out. I know we always get questions about entertainment law and the different aspects of that. And she'd be a great person to talk to
0: Yes, every time we talk to an entertainment lawyer, I'm just like, wow, you are so cool. I love how they deal with celebrities. And, you know, um, Haley and I love Real Housewives. And uh, this is a little merch plug. We do have some, like, retained by Lisa Barlow. You know, if you want to be like, act like you're a celeb lawyer too, you can yeah. wear that.
1: Yeah. And we also have some more fun pop culture mixed with legal merch coming your way. Uh, Like Samantha said, we're big housewife fans, so as uh, we've started watching all the different shows, we realize that there's lawyers in all of them, and of course they're women because they're freaking Housewives, and we love it, so stay tuned for that stuff. Um, If you guys know... Who's a lawyer on the shows and on different reality TV shows? Share with us. We'd love to know. Um, It's really interesting to watch them on TV and they use all the little words that we always talk about. And uh, it just makes you feel like, oh, there's other nerds out there who grow up to have a normal life. It's, you know, sometimes you wonder what it's like outside of law school.
0: And, of course, we're not saying that being a housewife, like, of Beverly Hills is necessarily normal, but, you know, (laughs) in the reality world sphere. Also, you know, like, while we're talking about pop culture, Kim Kardashian is going to be a lawyer. You know, Pete already, like, put it on his chest or whatever that his girl's a lawyer. So she'll be taking the bar exam when we do in July.
1: So stay tuned for that. Obviously, you know we we enjoy talking about pop culture, and uh, that's one of the things that we do. I know just the other day I was wearing one of our sweatshirts at a restaurant. And a girl was like, oh, my God, I like your sweatshirt. Like, what is that? I was like, oh, yeah, we have a podcast. And she's like, really? What do you guys talk about? And I was like, well, law school, you know. (laughs) And she's like, oh, really? Is it, like, just about that? And I was like, well, you know, I would say, like, 95% law school, 5% lifestyle and pop culture. And, you know, as we grow, I mean, we're going to be graduating soon. That might change, but... Regardless, our merch is always going to be fun and pop culture inspired just because we know that uh, it's a way to just express yourself and be silly and goofy and just kind of, like, bring your life together. I know, like like we said, we started watching Real Housewives this year, really, and it's been, like, I think it's just really interesting, whether they're on the shows or, you know, they're just a woman who's out there um making a living and doing their thing and you get to watch them on Instagram or YouTube or something like that. It's just really nice to see women be successful and grow up and have a family and just to see what their life is like and kind of give me a chance to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I hope sometimes you guys feel the same way.
0: Yes. And I know that once we take the bar and have more free time, You know, we love pop culture, so if you guys want more legal pop culture shiz, let us know. know. And we'll deep dive, because I check Daily Mail every single day. So, like, and and that's not a... I check it first thing when I wake up. And if it hasn't uploaded yet, because I'm too early, I'll check again when I get to work. So... Absolutely. I love a good daily mail. I love the Bravo Docket,
1: all those different types of ways that you can get your pop culture. But also, you know, you find out the little legal things here and there. It's it's the best. I mean, I think that's probably one of the things that's grown the most about me in law school is that nerdy legal side of myself. And and I love it. So if you guys enjoy it too, like Samantha said, let us know what you want to hear. Um, especially in season four so as always guys make sure and follow us on instagram check out our bar exam giveaway it's on instagram enter that or enter your friends names and don't forget to like us on facebook and if you want to reach out and chat with us we're free so dm us or email us
0: stay safe have a happy you know last few weeks if you're graduating like us I know we're gonna try to celebrate um so yeah we love you guys and we'll talk soon bye bye